The problem is with development is you can't ever find the corner. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Welcome to the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm John. Join us as we dive into topics you need to know about to become a better developer. Hey, welcome to React Native Nerds, episode number 14. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Wheat, and joining me is the expert in React Native, a volunteer firebase, or fireman, Spencer <laughs> Carley. How are you today? I am amazing today. Amazing. Yeah? Yes, life-changing. Sold the house. Congratulations. Yay. That's yep. big moves. It is, it is. So uh, about six weeks till D-Day, when we have to get out. I have a lot of stuff. Been here 11 years. I got to yeah. sell a boat, a camper, a car. Oh, I didn't know about all that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, I thought it ended at the house. <laughs> yeah, I sold uh, my daughter's Jeep in an hour on Saturday. I had it. I spent the day cleaning it, getting it all ready. I bought a new battery for it. And, uh, you know, I, I rolled it out to the, to the front. A couple people stopped by. And I got a call about 15 minutes later. And, <laughs> was uh, it a yeah. Jeep Wrangler? Jeep Wrangler, yep, 91. Yep. We just bought one of those. Things. Oh, a 91? Yeah, yeah. So it, that would be a, an antique. Yeah, was that a, a TJ? <laughs> yes. Yeah, did it have the sure square is. headlights? Yep, it does. <sighs> oh, you know a lot about Jeeps. Yeah, so we just bought a Jeep a couple months ago. Um, and one, yeah, they sell insanely fast. Oh like it gosh, took yeah. weeks just for us to try and get one we could actually like get a bid in on. But yeah. So in the original Jurassic Park movies they have YJs <laughs> for it the all Jeep. Comes back Wranglers. to Jurassic Park. It does. And oh, we we love those Jeeps so much. But yeah, like you said, I mean they're basically antiques now. They're insanely hard to find, let alone one in moderate condition. Well, um, so this is a 91. It's actually been sitting in our driveway for three years. And so there's quite a bit of rust on it. Okay. And, but the guy that bought it knew what to look for and can weld. So it was great. You know, we, you know, he, he was like, okay, well, I'm going to be gone all week. Can I give you a couple hundred bucks just to hold it for me? I'll be back on Saturday. I'm like, sure. So he was here in 10 minutes, you know, to wow. give me money to hold it. So yeah, it was great. Awesome. Now I'm just trying to unload my son's, uh, BMW. So yeah, anybody out there wants a BMW, it's a project car. It runs fantastic, for real. Not, no sarcasm. That's unheard of for a BMW. I know, right? <laughs> but it's a 94, so the interior is pretty rough. There's some dings on the front and uh, on the sides and stuff. And But, you know, it'd be an amazing, I don't I mean, obviously an amazing parts car. But it, it runs great. It flies. And it sounds, it growls a little bit, too. Yeah. It's really great. But, you know, convertible. But no, no bites yet. Didn't sell that in an hour. <laughs> yeah, those things take a little <laughs> longer. So what have you been up to this week, man? Uh, let's see. This week, I don't know. I feel like everything I've done this week just kind of happened in the last couple of hours. I realized that <laughs> I neglected to merge a branch that I've been working on for the last two days on the React Native School website, uh, and I deleted it. Ouch. So I was like, well... I guess I, I learned a way to do it. I get to do it all again. But then I looked it up, and apparently there's a git reflog. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But basically it'll show you, it, it appears all of your activity within git in terms of changing branch to changing branches and merging branches. So oh, I was yeah, able to, yeah, yeah, reflog, yeah. 
Reflog. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm, that I'm looking at your notes. I heard you, and I'm trying to process that in my mind. Yeah. Reflog. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes more sense. Yeah. So get Reflog, and I was able to basically check out this old version of the branch and save all of that work. So that was awesome. That's and then great. And other on another side of failing to back up and save data and be smart with things, I have uh -oh. an external hard drive where I have basically an archive of everything I've created for React Native School. I've got like, uh, I've spent three months on the road. I've got like videos and pictures from that, all kinds of stuff. And oh, tell me it you just, lose it. yeah, it, it, it stopped turning on. Like I couldn't get any data transfer. It wouldn't connect. It's like, oh shit, oh. like there's a lot of data on here. I don't want to lose. And you know, of course I didn't back it up. So fortunately I was able to order it on Amazon last night, a new, basically just a new enclosure. And I plugged in the hard drive to that and I was able to work. So, oh, good. Phew. I, I, I saved the data this time, but now I think I need to go ahead and figure out a backup solution for this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some cloud solution, preferably, probably. Right. Yeah, I use Backblaze to back up my computer. I need to figure out if I can do uh, external drives on that as well. Oh yeah, yeah. If it's mounted as a volume, you might be able to. I don't. I don't use that, but I don't. I would imagine. Yeah, I'll have to look into it. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me on. What about you? Lots well, I mean, all that. I, I've been working on some contract work, you know, because we're selling and buying and everything. So I need extra money. <laughs> and uh, so something I worked on was this map. And it was to map um, tech assets. So STEAM resources, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math resources okay. in uh, the greater Pennsylvania area, you know, where we are, the greater Harrisburg area. And uh, when COVID happened, I may have mentioned this in a past episode, um, I pivoted the map and turned it into a COVID resource map. You know, I pitched that to uh, mm. my client and he really liked that. So we did that. So that got, you know, a whole bunch of use because organizations were using it to pin up food drives and, uh, you know, testing facilities and all that sort of stuff. And so now it's being used for... Um, emergency classroom mapping. So right now, because of COVID and the school year coming up, and I'm sure this is everywhere, nobody has room to social distance the students. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're either doing part of the week at home and part of the week at school, uh, you know, or, you know, those types of things. But um, that's what they're using it for. And uh, there's a big press release on Monday about it. So it's going to be in the news. And uh, it's, I imagine traffic's going to pick up a whole lot. So maybe next week I'll tell you how the server crashed because everybody <laughs> in Pennsylvania started nailing the server. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's kind that's of exciting. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. It's always nice when you like, I don't know, work on something and it's just, it's got a lot of users. It provides a lot of value. So it is. That's it awesome. Is. And, and I don't care about the notoriety. I don't care if, you know, during the press release, he mentions me. I really don't. It, but the fact that maybe it's actually helping somebody is really, really cool. Yeah. It's not just, you know, coding in a cave for your own well-being or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But, you know, it's, it's neat when you actually can see a lot of users using it. It's right. Like, yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to hear the, the retrospective after the, the press conference. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I will. I I'm looking forward to seeing what it is. Hopefully, um, I mean, I don't know because of COVID if it's physical. I don't know if it's going to be virtual. 
I have no mm-hmm. idea how it's actually going to happen. I don't think I've been invited to it. Well, I know <laughs> I haven't been invited to it. Right. So yeah, that might come over the weekend. That might come at, you know, 10 a.m. on Monday morning. Right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. you got to be here. So who knows? But, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm part of it or not. It's just neat that it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Somewhat involved with it. Very cool. Yeah, so today we'll be talking about uh, Firebase, just kind of high level. What What is Firebase? And if you choose to use it, how do you actually go about doing that uh, within the context of React Native? Um, John, do you want to give us a quick rundown on what Firebase actually is? Yeah, I, um, right before that, though, I have some interesting mobile news. Oh, um, yes, of course. How could I forget the news? Oh, that's, that's totally fine. And I'm just going to blow through this. But... Super exciting. I don't know what made me do this, but dude, we have two iTunes ratings of five stars each and nice. an iTunes review. So um, shout out to It's Me, Hugo. So I'm guessing, <laughs> Hugo, buddy, you did this, and it's fantastic. He's like, this is awesome. I'm really excited to start. Apparently, he must just be starting with React Native. And uh, he's like, I've been waiting for a React Native podcast for ages. So fantastic. Thanks, Hugo. That's really cool. I got really excited when I saw that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I just had to, had to shout that out. Uh, the next item is Airbnb related just because I mentioned them in the past and they're basically going public, which is really cool because, and this gives us all hope, because they've laid off a quarter of their employees to cut costs because of COVID mm-hmm. and the impact that it's had in the business. And their revenue for 2020 is going to be half of 2019. So basically, wow. they suck this year. But right. they're still valued at $18 billion. Or they're, they're down eight, to $18 billion from $31 billion in 2017. So in three years, you know, they've plummeted down to $18 billion, And they're still going public. So, you know, I mean... You got a chance with your app, man. Don't <laughs> right. never give up. It doesn't matter if tough times, you might still be able to take it, take it the distance. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear like reasoning for going public at this time. Right, um, right. Yeah, I know they've been trying to for a little while, and I know COVID has pushed it off. Right. But you know, I mean, that was maybe last year, late last year. Maybe they started. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. And um, I'm not saying I'm not buying stock when it's out there. Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, it's just going to rebound, I think, as soon as COVID's over and people really, really start traveling again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys going to have your BNB list on Airbnb? Um, yes, we are, actually. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we, we have it on uh, Airbnb and Expedia, um, Booking.com, you know, all of those. Right. Yep. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. So the next item actually affects the listeners. The other ones were just for fun. Uh, Microsoft is back in the phone game. Bump, bump, bum. Hopefully not with their own OS. Before you panic. Yeah, no, it's not Windows this time. Thank God. Um, No, they're actually doing a Linux phone. Okay. And while you're like, huh, that sounds really interesting. This is called the Surface Duo, and it's going to be $1,400. You can pre-order it now. Um, A measly $1,400. However... (laughs) However, sit tight. This is going to suck for us, okay? Because it has two 5.6-inch screens, all right, with a hinge. So it's not even the really cool, um, what was it, Samsung phone with a foldable LED display that we talked about where it's just solid when you open it up. 
this is this is basically like taking two iPhone pluses and screwing them together with a couple hinges. And actually they're a little bigger than the iPhone plus. I saw a photo of somebody holding this and I, I didn't measure my phone, but I held my phone up trying to get my hand in the same angle that their thumb was and whatever. And I am like, you gotta be kidding me. So, so whatever phone you have right now, people, hold it up in front of you, okay? And then hold your other hand up and pretend you're holding the same phone. It doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter if your phone is 5.6 inches. That's huge. Now it's yeah, a 360 degree hinge, which means you can flip it all the way around, which is stupid. It should just, <laughs> yeah, that would put them back to back. So obviously you're not going to talk on this opened clamshelled, like open that way. You're probably going to have to flip it around. So they're back to back and your two screens are out and then use it like a phone. But like what? That's weird, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm looking at pictures of it now. I mean, this is like the size of an yeah. iPad mini. Right, right. It's so bizarre. So bizarre. So this this is something just to keep your eye on. I mean, the Surface Duo sounds kind of cool. I mean, Microsoft is usually shit at naming their products. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but Surface Duo is kind of neat. And when I saw this, you know, I clicked on it. And then I saw the photos. And I was like, what? I don't get it. You know, I, I don't know. It's yeah. like the, the Game Boy that was two screens when it came out with the Game Boy 3D. I forget what it was. My kids had one, and it had the two screens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, man. So 1400 bucks. If anybody, if any listeners get this, man, please let us know because I, wanna, I want you to – it's Android, so theoretically you should be able to, to write an app with React Native and throw it on there. Right. Um, I'm just curious how – how you design for two detached screens. Like, what are those apps going to look like? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll try and get Microsoft to sponsor one of the shows and we can get oh, one of these. Oh, dude, we should totally try <laughs> to get one of those phones. You're absolutely right. Or two of those phones. One for you, one for me. Yeah, and we'll do we a go. review online and how React Native works. Oh, that's smart. That's <laughs> super smart. <laughs> we got the end. We'll do it. Yeah. All right. So enough news. Um, on to Firebase. Uh, so... Real quick, uh, Firebase is a cloud service, obviously, by Google. Well, not obviously, if you didn't know that. But it's a real-time backend API. And backend APIs, for me, I, I was sort of brought into their little world slash community, whatever, um, because I was getting into game development, mobile game development with Corona. Now, not the current virus, um, Corona <laughs> Labs had a really cool, really amazing game SDK. And you wrote games with Lua, the Lua language. Really, really great. Super cool. But, uh, you know, a lot of their developers that really got into this were sort of uh, bootstrapping their own backend APIs. And basically, for games, you want to keep track of scores for leaderboards pushed out to the the games themselves and to maybe a game website, that sort of thing, and keep track of that. So, you know, high level, think leaderboard data collection, that sort of thing. Well, Firebase uh, provides backend API stuff, and it is really, really cool. So they have their features broken down into three groups on their website, and the first one is build better apps. And that lists Cloud Firestore, which We've, we've spoken about Firebase ML, their machine learning. They have cloud functions. They have authentication and hosting and cloud storage and uh, you know, real-time syncing database. 
Then they have improve app quality, and that has crash analytics, you know, crash reports when your app crashes, performance monitoring. They have a test lab and app distribution functionality in beta. And then they have functions and features to grow your business, and that's in-app messaging, Google Analytics, predictions, A-B testing functionality, cloud messaging, which probably if you've built a React Native app and you've done any push, you've dipped your toes into cloud messaging. Mm -hmm. They have remote configuration and dynamic links. So it is the coolest feature-rich system. And I mean, totally check this out. Even if all you really use have used in the past is the cloud messaging, I bet you didn't know that it did all this other cool stuff. And they have a free tier, so you can jump in and you can play with this stuff for free. And once your app, you know, you get your app out into the store and really gets used, hopefully you're somehow making money because <laughs> then they're going to start charging you. Um, so basically you can do all of this really cool stuff and you don't have to worry about setting up your server. You don't have to worry about building APIs to talk back and forth to your app. It is all right there. Now, Firebase is not the only one that does this. Amazon has... Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't write this in the notes. What's it called, Spencer? They've got AWS. Amplify. That's yeah, they've is. got Amplify and AWS AppSync, which yes. I don't know what the difference is, but I haven't really researched those. Yeah, that's another show. But right. but basically, I'm just saying, like, Amazon has a similar service. And mm -hmm. there are other third-party services that do things like this. So you might want to check these out because there might be another service out there. And, um, you know, this would be a really good show is just compare those one of these days uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, if you just need leaderboard stuff, maybe Firebase is overkill for you. And there's a specific website that will do, you know, data collection for that sort of stuff. So, you know, whatever your needs are, you know, take a look at the, the functionality. I personally was unaware that Firebase was this broad. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it does a lot. Yeah. And probably more than you'll need. Unless you're right, part absolutely. of an enterprise team, in which case they're going to be telling you to go use this. They're not going to be like, oh, I wonder what we should use for this. And then you're going to have to go figure it out. <laughs> so there is, that's, that's Firebase. It is the service layer, the backend server API. Then we have React Native Firebase. And basically that is the layer that you're going to use in your React Native app that simplifies all of the talking back and forth between your app and Firebase. So that's really our realm here. And that's why Firebase is such a great option for this, this sort of thing, because you just install React Native Firebase and then making these API calls is super easy. If you use a third-party system, you might have to write your own layer. You might have to figure out those calls. You might be writing a lot of JavaScript, maybe even native calls to, to do these sorts of, these sorts of things. When I first started using Firebase, I guess the way you know the way I think about it is it's like when you think of serverless, Firebase is a really good example of serverless yes. architecture. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, except it's on steroids because like they've got a bunch of other stuff, AdMob, analytics, uh, you know, messaging, all this other stuff that just makes development really easy. It's serverless, you know, just on steroids, and it's it's a really powerful system that I, I've been fortunate enough to work with um, intermittently over the last few years. Do you have any hands-on experience with Firebase? Uh, just from the tutorial little projects that I did preparing for this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I've just done cloud messaging and that's it. And that's, you know, in, in the guise and realm of one signal. 
you know, what I use for push. Right. So I, I haven't used any of these other. The, the machine learning, though, that's really interesting to me because of, you know, my current job and whatever. So I, I did a little reading about that and trying to figure out how I could weasel that into a cool app or something. Yeah, that, that's the, like one of the features that I've never touched on. But like, I'm also at the point where like, I just I don't know what I would use mis- machine learning for. So I'll have to figure out an, uh, an excuse to start trying to figure it out. With Firebase, I guess, you know, a reason to use it is like it's serverless. You know, we're working on mobile apps. If you're like me, like I don't have a lot of backend experience. I've set up Express apps. I've worked with MongoDB. I've worked with Postgres a little bit. But like that's not where I'm super comfortable with. So Firebase gives me a means to, like John was saying, you know, store data on the back end, persist it between sessions, between users, share all this data without really having to go into setting up a server, managing hosting, all that stuff. I can just use Firebase to deal with all that. Ain't nobody um, got time for that. Yeah, I mean, there, <laughs> it's a lot. There's so many options now. It's like, what's the point of even trying? Yeah. And we're seeing different uh, backend technologies kind of losing support, but whatever that is, I, I I just see that from Twitter. I don't know. There's something with a, I don't know, some some Express um, Happy JS. I think that's what it is. Happy JS hmm. lost support for a little bit. Maybe it came back. I don't know. That's beyond the point. Let's get back to serverless and Firebase. Um, <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. So when you start looking at Firebase. There's going to be two options you can look at in React Native land. You're going to see Firebase JS or what you're going to download off of NPM, which is just a, a JavaScript library. This is what you would use in something like React. Then there's also React Native Firebase, which we talked about a little bit before. And the difference between these two, so Firebase JS is going to be your official Google maintained supported library. And then there's React Native Firebase, which is supported by the community and I wish I could remember their name. Let me look it up really quick. Um, so basically you can find React Native Firebase documentation at rnfirebase.io and it's maintained by a company named Invertase. I'm not re- quite sure how to say their company name, but they've been maintaining this library for a long time. Now my point in this is why would you ever choose React Native Firebase, which is a third-party managed solution, over Firebase JS? Well, Firebase JS is going to kind of give you a limited feature set because we have to remember we're building native mobile apps. We're not building web apps that run on a mobile device. We're building native web apps, or sorry, native mobile apps. <laughs> and Firebase JS is very much functioned or built around the web, whereas React Native Firebase is actually just this thin layer around the native Firebase packages on iOS and Android, respectively. So what React Native Firebase is going to allow you to do is really tap into some super powerful features. For example, we can use cloud messaging and we can tap into requesting permissions and doing everything we have to do behind the scenes to get push notifications to work. It allows us to do that. Or with uh, Cloud Firestore, it's going to allow us to store data offline and it actually works. So there's all these different things that React Native Firebase just kind of packages up for us, gives the JavaScript API to interact with and just work out really well. If you're working in React Native and you want to use Firebase, it's my personal opinion that React Native Firebase is kind of like your only real 
really solid solution to building a super high quality experience for your users. If you have to authenticate in your app, I mean, nobody wants to write that. Nobody wants yeah. to write authentication. And that is part of React Native Firebase. You can have all of your users in Firebase, all their passwords encrypted. You can set up encryption between your app and Firebase. So, you know, there's nothing in plain text going back and forth. Like who wouldn't want that? And it's scalable too. That's really cool. So if you have this all set up and all of a sudden your app goes crazy, there's a press release or you go public and everybody starts using it, then, you know, you go in and you crank up your servers. You know, you can scale it super, super easy. Now you're paying for that. That's not part of the free tier. Right. But, you know, I mean, the authentication functionality itself is super useful. The crash analytics from what I was looking at are amazing. So you get your crash reports, whatever the user did, whether it was a stupid user or a stupid programmer, you know, you can look <laughs> at what happened and, you know, sort of figure out what's going on. I've used authentication in React Native Firebase and it works great. And what one of my favorite things is like, it gives me so many different ways to do authentication, just to, you know, identify a user. So you've got anonymous authentication. You can do your typical email password flow. You could do a phone number based authentication. And then of course they've got all your social authentication ones. So like there's all these different means that a user expects to be able to sign in. And like, we just get that for free. And like, as you work on more and more apps, you realize just how much that stuff sucks to work, work on, especially when it comes to OAuth stuff with Facebook and Twitter and Google and now Apple. Oh, nightmarish. Do you remember, yeah. do you remember before all of the social logins? But I remember when the Google Plus login was a thing. Like, that was what I would use. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm always on Google. I'm always logged in. And then now it's just a Google login. But, right. You know, it. this handles everything. And it's super, super easy to set up. And mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about all that crap. You don't have to worry about, oh, what APIs, what API calls do I do to use Twitter? Or which ones do I use to use Facebook? Or Facebook updated their APIs, and now I got to go update my code. Yeah, that's the big one is like when a third party authentication provider updates stuff and breaks their API or changes something or deprecates it and you ignore those emails for two years, whatever it may be. <laughs> Speaking from experience on that one. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. Authentication is just something like I, I hate doing. It's oh, necessary, but I hate Even for it. web apps, it sucks. Yeah. It just sucks. Yeah. So authentication, boom, right there. That's enough reason to do it. But Exactly. Uh, another great thing that I've used that I've really enjoyed using is Cloud Firestore. And Cloud Firestore is a, uh, it's a database that gives you a lot of options. You can set it up so that it's real time, or you could set it up where it's just kind of a, a fetch and only fetch data when a user specifically requests it, whatever the means are. So like it, it gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of one, it's super easy to set up and two, you get those options for, does my data need to be real time or not? Also, you can set it up so that out of the box, essentially, by just switching a flag in your configuration, you have offline capability in your app, which if you've ever tried to set that up, is an absolute beast. So that's a, a really nice feature to have as well. Yeah, more times than not, you're, you're grabbing your data and you're shoving it into async storage and uh, you know, then trying to rehydrate it out, and yeah, it's just nightmarish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like something that I know it took me years to internalize coming from web development to mobile development is even if it's you know someone in the U.S. 
that typically has a really good connection, we have to remember that it's not uncommon for us to lose our connections. For example, sometimes when I go out to take the dog on a walk in the morning, I forget to close the garage. Well, I have an app on my phone where I can close the garage, but if I'm in that moment between leaving my home Wi-Fi network and mm. switching over to a, you know, just the AT&T's typical mobile network, I don't have a connection at that point. And if I took some sort of action there, then I have to realize, you know, how am I going to reconcile this with the servers once I'm reconnected? So it's always a good thing to have offline capability in your app. And it's nice to have something that just kind of works out of the box to do it. Yeah, and piggybacking off of that, uh, this is Google, AKA Big Brother. They have servers <laughs> everywhere. So if you're in the US and you're setting everything up, but you launch your app in all of the countries, they're gonna be able to use them in all of the countries because mm -hmm. of the CDN and distribution of servers, that sort of thing. So it's, it's a win right there. So Definitely. this is the real-time, Firestore is the database that you mentioned in the past episode or two episodes ago, right? Correct, yes. Okay, so That's this, the one I intended to mention. Yeah, right, right, right. That's what I meant. Um, yeah. so, so this stores your data in JSON. So it, it's still a key value pair. This is, this is what you've used. So basically, right. if, if you want to store a bunch of data, you're going to store a JSON object keyed off of a specific value, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. That's what yeah, I was it's, thinking. It, it's very much, um, it's, like, it's like working with MongoDB. It's very schema-less. And like, now I, I have to also say, with Firestore, I haven't quite really gotten a grasp on it. Everything I've used Firestore has been very basic, just very basic, like user metadata, essentially. Uh, to associate with authentication. That's basically the extent of, that I've used it for. And when I've messed around with other things, like for example, I was building an example messaging app where I had users that could belong to or were subscribed to certain message threads and message threads had a certain number of messages in them. In, in them I haven't quite figured out the right way to relation all this data. Like it's kind of mm. some weird mm -hmm. mixture between a relational database and a schemaless database. And I don't know, that's me not having experience on the back end. And I found uh, it's a little, little tricky, especially once you have data and you have to try to figure out how to migrate it. So that's something to keep in mind and maybe do research as always before setting up your database schema, even yeah, definitely. it's schema-less. Yeah, yeah. And that's not necessarily a Firestore specific. That's really any NoSQL specific. Mm -hmm. You end up with, um, you really need to take a look at your sort of data and figure out if you need those relations. And, you know, maybe, I mean, there, there, is, there are ways to do it, but if you really need a relational database, then maybe NoSQL is not your way to go. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, this might not be your solution, depending on what you need to do. Right. So just, just think through your data before you jump in. Um, something else that I really enjoy that John already mentioned is cloud messaging setting up push notifications. If you're doing Android, you're already going to need to interact with Firebase cloud messaging to set up the Android side of things. So it's really nice to use it for iOS as well. Um, it's like one less thing you have to incorporate if you know you don't have to go through setting up one signal or whatever your push notification solution of choice is. Firebase is going to have to be involved, so it's kind of nice to just use it. And I think, if I'm remembering correctly, Firebase messaging is actually free regardless of what mm -hmm. scale you're at the problem there is you know what are they collecting 
with your data, but that's right. a big consideration with Google in general. Something to keep in mind. Yeah, so basically you're saying if you install React Native Firebase, you can use a little bit of code and you have messaging for Android all set up? Yeah. Okay, so what do you do yeah. for iOS then? iOS, it's this, it's very similar, like the setup, I think it's just, just a couple lines. The only thing there is then you need to basically take some data from the Apple push notification service, plug that into Firebase cloud messaging, and then Got basically it. it just knows what to do. And it'll okay. distribute all of your messages. So it's something, because Apple doesn't have a push notification provider. Right. Well, I guess they do, but they don't have a nice push notification provider. <laughs> you right. have to use some sort of system around it. Um, okay. By using Firebase Cloud Messaging, it just it simplifies it because Android, for the first time ever, has a superior push notification ser service compared to Apple. So well, Apple Apple just, will invent easy. that one in a little while. Right, yeah. Just give them three or four years. Yeah. So the only reason I'm asking about this, um, and this is a personal thing, because I use OneSignal, and basically you install OneSignal's SDK, you still have to go in and configure the cloud messaging within Google. But basically you get a key that then you put into the OneSignal code in your app. Then you go and you get the certificate and whatever from iOS, and you do something very similar in iOS. And the OneSignal SDK is sort of the middle service layer that accepts push notifications for iOS and then for Android. So I, I was curious if I got OneSignal out of that mix, like where does that leave me? So actually I'm, I'm kind of interested in this now. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Basically, yeah, it's in, on iOS's side, Firebase Cloud Messaging is going to basically replace OneSignal in that mm -hmm. relationship and then you basically remove that middleman on the Android side. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I kind of like that. Yeah, it's been nice. Something else that's nice that I, I, this is like what I use extensively and that's Firebase Cloud Storage. Basically, this is a means to store larger static data. Um, it's basically just like it, an Amazon S3 service, or at least that's the way I've been using it. I think that's right. Uh, basically, the way they promote it as like a way to store user-generated larger data, for example, photos or videos. What I use it for is storing um, translation files. So in the app I'm working on, we've got, I think, four or five languages supported. Translations update, but not very often. And when they do update, it's not super critical that they get them immediately. So to avoid the overhead of having a real-time database or trying to store a large JSON object in Cloud Firestore, where that's not necessarily the appropriate use of it. We just have a big JSON blob that is all of our translations, and we just store that in uh, Cloud Storage. And basically, I'll just check to see, has that document been updated? If it has, I'll go ahead, download it, and plug that into our translation setup that we've got. And basically, that's it. If it's not updated, I don't download it and it's worked really well, it's super fast. It's nice because um, we store everything in JSON, but JSON's easy enough to read where anyone on the team can go ahead and update that JSON file, and then just go ahead and upload it in Firebase. And it, it's been a great solution that we've been using for at least a year now. Oh, that's nice. I just, I wanna jump in really quick when you were talking about uh, potentially storing images in this. Firebase has extensions that you can install in your console 
And one of those is resize images. And I'm reading through this, mm. or I was reading through this before the episode, and it looks like Cloudinary Light. I mean, it, it's almost acting like Cloudinary. If you've used that okay. service, you basically shoot an image up to Cloudinary, and then from your app, typically from your website, you request an image at a specific size just in the URL, and Cloudinary resizes that and shoots that back at you. And so this particular extension, originally called Resize Images, is um, it does just that. And so when you upload your image, I, I think this one works a little different. So when you upload it, you tell it which dimensions you want, and then it will create those and store them up there. And then you just call them, and it will serve up the proper image that you want. Really okay. cool. So there's, uh, there's that. And then they also have a trigger email, since I'm talking about extensions, trigger email extension, which is kind of really cool because you can <laughs> actually have your app, okay, trigger email, and send stuff out based on what happens in your app. So if you're doing an onboarding and you want, you know, usually you set up, um, oh man, what's the email service? I use, I've used post or not postman, um, mailgun for transactional emails. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, and then there's drip, I think. Okay. I think drip where you can set up like email campaigns and, mm -hmm. um, transactional emails based on certain functions that happen. I think you can do that in SendGrid and mailgun as well. So basically you can fire off an API that says, go spam this person with the latest <laughs> onboarding step or something like that. Or, Hey, we see you have onboarded. Why don't you check out this feature? So that is really cool, and that's up there as well. Like, Firebase is really, really cool. They've added so many, so many things. Mm -hmm. Then they have a bunch of integrations as well where it can shoot back to Slack and Jira, and, I mean, obviously, Google Marketing Platform and AdMob and Google Ads and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's really, really cool, especially um, if you want to throw money at this because then you can merge your Google Cloud Platform with Firebase and just sort of jump into their service soup you know all the different <laughs> things i mean i don't even know what to call it you know it's a big old ball pit of integrations and services it's pretty much right. anything you would ever need to do with your app they have it up there it's just how far do you get with a free level because we're all cheap here um yeah you know, at least i am and no i mean that that's the developer way isn't exactly. it exactly <laughs> yes we're gonna bootstrap this baby until uh i don't know we figure out how to make it money and exactly yeah so you know it's it's really cool so you gotta just hit the website it's um ironically firebase.google.com and that talks about fire the all of the firebase services so okay. check that out i just wanted to jump yeah. in because you mentioned the the s3 buckets and storing things like images and that like triggered in my head and it's interesting like you know i've worked with firebase on and off for a couple of years now but like there's so much i don't know about what firebase does and like it's it's powerful. Um, it really is. I know really like is. one thing that I want I, I need I need to learn more about is cloud functions because you know as we're moving more and more towards a serverless type development environment in general, independent of Firebase, like cloud functions or uh, what are they called? I don't remember what they're called for Amazon. Uh, Lambda. Lambda, yeah. So like this is a way to do more than just like okay, a user submits data, I store the data. Basically, like, cloud functions are going to allow you to go ahead and mutate that data or update other data because this has changed all these different things. And cloud Firebase has the means to do that, 
I've just never really toyed around with it, and I'm sure it would simplify a lot of stuff. But um, that that's something there. So if you're using AWS Lambda, um, you've got those means for Firebase as well, or just doing serverless stuff, and you're looking for a way to do that. Firebase Cloud Functions is the means to do that. Yeah, adding this in to your app, developers have it so easy. When I first started mobile apps forever ago, very little of this existed. And you know, you were rolling at your own. You were going up to some website hosting to try and figure out whether you can set up a MySQL database on their shared hosting that you can hit to store <laughs> data. And you're writing some goofy, probably ASP uh, URL. It wasn't even called REST APIs back then. And, you know, just all this goofy crap that you didn't, I mean, like I said, ain't nobody got time for that. And that is just a right. headache. It's just something else that you need to maintain. Even if it's just an API call to some back end, you know, that you're never going to update, you know, I'm never going to upgrade my SQL. So it's always going to stay at this version and, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Who wants to do that? So it's, this is just so awesome. I mean, there's just yeah. so many different APIs available to you to make your app do whatever you want. I totally should be getting paid for sh for shilling Firebase. Like, <laughs> this is the most for energy I've had all week, people. I don't know if it's all the <laughs> coffee I drank. We're recording at night. I'm drinking a beer. I have no idea if it's that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just excited because we sold the house. But if you can't tell, I'm talking super, super fast. And uh, I'm kind of in love. I'm kind of crushing on Firebase right now. Yeah. I, yeah, I need to mess around I want to go. I want to go integrated into everything. Yeah. Just build some cool apps with it yeah oh speaking um, of which not to get totally sidetracked but i was working on my uh my side app for uh my course and mm. I've, i figured out what i did i i removed i deleted the one i started already and i started another one and praise be to the ignite company they upgraded ignite so i don't know if i said it on the podcast or if i was just chatting with you but when i had installed ignite before it was uh, React Native 6.2. So it didn't have any of the really cool features that we had covered like two podcasts ago. Mm. And uh, they upgraded it. It's fantastic. So now it's 6.3.2. So we have nice. integration um, with, oh man, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> oh, Flipper? Flipper, thank you. Yes, there's yeah. Flipper integration and all the really cool stuff that we covered in the 6.3 episode. Uh, the really, the latest log box and all that sort of stuff. And... So I'm, I'm trying to think of what kind of really cool app to do that looks really nice and whatever. And uh, I was a huge X-Files fan. And mm. so the, the app is called The Truth Is Out There, T-T-I-O-T. And um, it's going to be like a UFO tracking app just because that's nice. fun and absolutely goofy. I don't know if you guys believe in UFOs or not, but I just figured it'd be really cool because I'll get to play with an API and you know map some data and get into it. So part of this is also so I just learn Ignite and TypeScript, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. So so that's sort of fun. But then I'm also going to end up using this app with, you know, the five or six screens for the course as well. So anyway, I, I wanted to talk about that at the beginning of the episode. And, um, you know, something you said reminded me of that. Very cool. And I'm super hyper, so I apologize <laughs> for being so totally ADD this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um but as you're building it something else you should add to it is firebase analytics and firebase crash lytics 
because those are also very awesome. Well, my apps uh, don't crash. Crashlytics. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, oh, yeah. if you're it's anything like me. It's going to crash on me for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I've used Crashlytics a bunch. Um, it's been in- integrated. Like, the integration's super easy with it. It's basically just install it, and it listens for when the app crashes, and will log that. And basically, if you just set some attributes around who your user is, uh, in my case, like what client were they using, what screen were they on, Crashlytics will tell me these were the steps they took and then the app broke. And like that's super invaluable because production users can do some incredibly, just incredible things that I can't figure out how they got there. But through Crash- <laughs> Crashlytics, I have, I have some sense of, or I have some means of getting to wherever they got when they broke the app. So does so it tell you the powerful. different screens? And like what they clicked on and stuff. The cool thing with Crashlytics is like if you also incorporate analytics, it'll tie in that user's um, event. So any any analytics that you took will be kind of packaged up in that Crashlytics report. So you can see, oh, they tapped this screen with this data, and then they landed on this screen, mm. and you know it broke. So basically, the combo of Firebase Analytics and Crashlytics. It'll take that data and just give you like a really good crash report. Um, so like I know an issue we have a lot is like trying to map on a piece of data that's undefined, and like we're able to figure out oh, you know, client dot teams wasn't defined on this client. We need to add some sort of check to ensure that that actually exists. And that was something we figured out through crash reports because of course our test client you know has teams defined. So it's super powerful and it's super easy to set up. Cool. We also use analytics a lot. Um, I guess I shouldn't say we. So the rest of the, the Spectrum team, <laughs> they use analytics. Everybody but I me. I set it up. Yeah. What's that? Everybody but me. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody but me uses analytics. I've set it up. I don't see the value of it necessarily because I'm just constantly confused by <laughs> Firebase's display of analytics. Now, we can capture a bunch of stuff, we can log events, we can pass data along with those events, and I was actually working on this with one of the guys today, but what they do is they use Google Data Studio, which will then pull in the analytics data from Firebase directly into Google Data Studio, and Mm. basically they can use that to map that and then create different graphs and different stuff with this analytics, so. That sounds legit. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're also, like, they're beautiful graphs that, like, you know, give a lot of valuable information. So it was cool to see that uh, earlier today and just how they do that. I don't know how to use Google Data Studio. I just know, you know, we have 200,000 events that they're able to parse through this and make pretty things that hopefully help them sell the, the wow. app. So, um, wow. yeah, it's I, cool. I candy, man. That's, all, that's what it's all about. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it's cool. I really like analytics, Crashlytics. It provides a lot of value on the business side and on the development side. It's really easy to set up and um, work through it. You can identify users, set user properties, and just track and associate things. And along with Crashlytics, it just gives a good picture of what's going on in the world of your app out in the wild. You know, the more data, the better when things crash. You know, when we were talking about developing and we had Flipper in there. Flipper gives you more information. Logbox now gives you more information. You tie in Crashlytics here, and uh, you're golden. 
it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we kind of, we really need to get that referral code for Firebase. After I think this so one. too. I think so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, with all the good, like the one downside of Firebase, I think, well, I guess two downsides, you know, it, it is owned by Google. That is what it is. You know, whichever side you fall on that, it is something to consider. It is a Firebase product or sorry, Firebase is a Google product. The other side, and this is just me not really understanding serverless or just server backend development in general, um, I found managing and migrating large or complex data to be pretty tough. Um, and I think a lot of it is not fully knowing like what services are available through Firebase or the greater Google platform, but it is, it, it's something like, it's super easy to get up and running, but I found myself like, I painted myself into a lot of corners and I don't necessarily foresee myself stopping to do that anytime in the future. <laughs> so be aware, you might hate yourself. Face the corner when you start painting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the problem is with development is you can't ever find the corner. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Where is that corner? Yep. Yeah. So I know I'm going to start playing with Firebase some more. I need to figure out some projects, but um, it, this episode has reinvigorated my energy in terms of firebase and i just need a cool app to build now yeah me too i am i'm kind of really excited if you couldn't tell from my crazy fast talking and enthusiasm <laughs> um but like i'm trying to think do you have because i always bring this up because you've been such a mentor to me as i have grown in react native do you have a course specifically about firebase not one specifically on firebase i do okay. touch on it um I touch on the messaging through push notifications because, mm -hmm. I mean, this is my preferred means of doing push notifications. But Firebase is something I want to dive into more. But And I, I've actually done this a couple times. So interesting fact about React Native School is as many classes and lessons as there are, there's just as many in the graveyard that never made it into production because... <laughs> really? Um, yeah, I, I just, like, especially with something like Firebase, there's so many things there that it's just like a kid in a candy store. I don't know what to do. Mm. And I just kind of like start building things haphazard. And it's just like this Frankenstein's monster of a half finished app. So yeah, in I, time, I want to figure out how to stay organized and actually build something cool with like Firebase or AWS AppSync, all these different cool big services that you can do a lot with. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask you that question about React Native School before I mentioned that I watched a really, really good video on YouTube, React Native Firebase, install Firebase React Native tutorial. And this guy walks you through installing it for Android and then for iOS. So if you know you go up to the site and you can't figure this out, this guy walks you right through it and it's, it's really good. And again, if you're a, a more reader type learner, there's also a text tutorial on freecodecamp.com or dot org, mm. sorry, freecodecamp.org. And I don't know if you guys have ever checked that site out, but it's pretty amazing. And typically I'll just make a, a big overall blanket statement. Whatever you're working on, there's probably a tutorial up there for it. There's, oh, it's yeah. really, really vast. I was really surprised. And I've given that URL freecodecamp.org out to students of mine, you know, when I was teaching class depending on you know whatever they were working on, I'd always go find stuff. And they also have a YouTube channel. So there's just like free code camp is just really, really great. So check those out mm -hmm. if 
if you need help actually getting this installed. The other thought I had was you could do a really amazing Firebase React Native school. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, I think it would be, end up being its own, own huge course. It wouldn't be part of React Native school really. And just use React Native Firebase and hook into all of these different services and show all of the benefits. It would take forever, mm -hmm. but I, I just think that would be amazing. It would keep you busy, Spencer, if you sat down and just picked off all of these different integrations and all of the different extensions and features and whatever, and just had a huge, either a big Firebase section of React Native School or launch its own school. Yeah, I like I like the idea of I it. I think I think uh, I think it'd be super popular. You make a killing, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. I've been toying with what I want to, uh, what projects I want to work on next at React Native School. So maybe Firebase will be it. Well, there you go. And I just got to figure out which Firebase features I want to use for my UFO app now. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, that is all I've got. John, anything else you want to mention for Firebase today? No, we have a bunch of links in the show notes. Uh, you can go check those out. And as always, you know, tweet us at rnnerds or shoot us an email, thenerds at reactnativenerds.com. Or you can go to the website, reactnativenerds.com, and find an episode and comment. But uh, send us some love like Hugo did. Uh, you know, log in, give us five stars, post a review. Yeah. We appreciate it. I hear this in all the podcasts I listen to, and we never really sort of mentioned it before. But yeah, I mean, if star us in your pod app of choice, and, uh, you know, apparently everybody thinks that will get it out there. So when somebody searches, um, you know, when in the iOS podcast app, when I search for React Native, we come right up. And, uh, you know, okay. so yeah, it's great. So Good do it. Stuff. Give us some love. We'll love you back. And we'll even mention you yeah. on air. As long as you say nice things, right? Exactly. That that that's the key. Yep. And if you have any complaints, um, email them to I don't know where. Just not us. Yeah, just somewhere else. Yep. Oh, really funny along that line. I had this idea of setting up a website called the yellingpages.com, kind of like the Yellow Pages, <laughs> and it was let your finger do the talking, and because the the slogan for Yellow Pages is let your finger do the walking, and. For all of you young kids, the Yellow Pages are a book of phone numbers and addresses that we used to get delivered to our door so you could find business numbers. This was pre-Google. And um, so anyway, I thought the Yelling Pages would be a great site. And then you could just go up there and just complain about stuff <laughs> and just post your complaints. And so that's another app idea I have. So nice. who knows? The Yelling Pages might come out pretty soon. Okay, yeah, Firebase. I, I like that idea. And I'll store all of your complaints in Firebase. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm done. I'm so hyper. I'm going to be up until tomorrow, dude. I cannot. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go for, it's 9 o'clock. I'm going to have to, it's dark out. I'm going to have to go for a run or something. I don't know. Just run around my house. I'm going to go eat an ice cream sandwich after this. Oh, dude, ice cream before bed? Living life on the edge. <laughs> nice. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, take it easy, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you guys. Bye-bye.